From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ's Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. After the 2012 presidential elections, a panel of Republican gurus did a post-mortem aimed at turning around the fortunes of their party. They recommended changes like appealing to more Hispanics and toning down talk about religious groups' rights to discriminate against gays and lesbians, which tends to turn off younger voters. But the fact remains that the Republican Party's strength is its appeal to older white voters. And if presumptive presidential nominee Donald Trump can increase the GOP's share of older white baby boomers' vote by 5%, just 5%, while holding all other groups steady, he'd win the White House by a comfortable margin. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call with a look ahead to the week of July 18th with CQ Magazine senior editor Sean Zeller. Republicans are gathering in Cleveland for the party's national convention. Some polls show the race between Trump and Hillary Clinton virtually even. Are the coming days, all the speeches, all the messaging, really about boosting white turnout? Well, it seemed like that's Trump's plan all along, hasn't it? He hasn't made much of an effort to reach out to Hispanic voters. And I think most Republican candidates rightly view the black electorate as a lost cause for them. They do very poorly among black voters. So it certainly seems like Trump's plan is to expand the playing field for the Republican into states they haven't won in a long time, like in the industrial Midwest. You write that uh, Latino voters are likely to turn out in big numbers because of Trump's calls to build a wall on the southern border and deport 11 million unauthorized immigrants. But there is a scenario where Trump could still win the Electoral College and narrowly lose the popular vote. That's right. The Brookings Institution, the centrist think tank, and the Center for American Progress here in Washington, which is a liberal think tank, did a study. And they overlaid the 2004 demographic patterns on the current electorate. And they found if blacks and Hispanics and whites vote at the same rates they did in 2004, Trump would be elected president, just as George W. Bush was that year. Except Trump unlike George W. Bush, would not win the popular vote. It would be like 2000. He would win the Electoral College, but narrowly lose the popular vote. Still a win. Donald Trump would be president. Trump is running on a nativist platform, uh, but if you take away the bombast, in in some ways he's not going much farther with the policy prescriptions uh, than Mitt Romney did in 2012 or than John McCain did as the Republican nominee in 2008, right? Right. That's interesting because, as you mentioned earlier, the after the 2012 election, the Republican National Committee put together this postmortem at which they recommended um, reaching out to Hispanics and adopting more lenient immigration policy. But the Republican candidates have repeatedly gone the opposite way. John McCain, of course, who had been in favor of more lenient immigration policy, backed away from that when he was running for president. Mitt Romney famously said that his tough enforcement policies would cause illegal immigrants to self-deport. Those were his words. And Donald Trump, of course, has his wall he's planning to build. So I think What we see from that is Republican candidates view it as easier to win more white votes than to win more Hispanic votes. Of course, if they were to try to appeal to Hispanic voters, it would offend their white base. 
So I think um, we have to judge them by their actions. They view winning whites as easier than winning more Hispanics. So in that vein, do you really believe Trump can expand the Republican playing field into blue states, which would mean he'd have to pick up a significant portion of young voters and women? I'm skeptical, certainly, um, as many are. But the latest public opinion polls show him doing well in Pennsylvania, a state that Republicans haven't won since 1988. Um, they show him doing well in Ohio, a very crucial state for any Republican who wants to be elected president. And even in Florida, which with with its growing Hispanic population, uh, and there are predictions, of course, of civil unrest in Cleveland, of fringe elements showing up in the streets outside and causing trouble. How does trouble in the streets or a disorderly convention inside change Trump's calculus, or does it? I don't think it does. During the primary campaign, of course, he, in some ways, incited that sort of. Um, activity at many of his rallies. He, he, he encouraged attendees at his rallies to throw out uh, dissenters, and he took their coats away. And there were, there were instances of violence at some of his primary rallies. And I think that it's hard to, to judge what the effect would be of a, of a disturbance at the convention, but certainly it could play into this us-versus-them mentality that he's framed of, you know, it could... Uh, if the protesters are Hispanic or black or li or viewed as li liberals, uh, they could incite his his supporters and and motivate them to come out to vote. And so it's hard to know what the effect would be on the the election. In an unpredictable year for politics, do you expect many surprises in Cleveland, or will the official proceedings be pretty pro forma? We've heard less going into this convention than at any time in recent memories. The, the convention came together very late. The speakers list came together late. And we've heard a lot about how some delegates are planning to push for a change in the rules, which would allow uh, the delegates to vote for whomever they choose and not to, for the candidate that the, for whom their states voted. So it's very unpredictable at that point how, how that'll play out, whether it will fizzle and this will be indeed more pro forma or whether it will turn into a major brouhaha on the floor. Sean, the, um, Trump is picking former uh, Indiana Republican congressman and current governor Mike Pence as his running mate. Pence was uh, really a conservative rebel in the House uh, here in Washington before being a rebel was cool. Uh, and some think that he could provide a bridge between Trump, the outsider, and congressional Republicans. Um, any thoughts on whether he changes the, uh, the hall tenor of the campaign? An vice presidential pick is typically uh, someone from a state that you really need to win or someone who complements the, the candidate in some way. Mike Pence being from Indiana, it's not about the state. If Donald Trump loses Indiana, that's a disaster because Indiana is a, is a Republican state and he, Donald Trump needs to win Indiana. But Mike Pence indeed, as you mentioned, was a conservative in the House. He was a chairman of the Republican Study Committee, which before the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party was really the home of the hardcore conservatives in the House of Representatives. He may assuage some concerns. There, that, that group has had concerns about Donald Trump, and he may indeed, as you say, build a bridge to those rebels in the House who have been so effective in the last year or so with dethroning uh, Speaker Boehner, for, for instance, and the Tea Party movement, which um, in 2010 was so effective at winning the House majority. So he could help 
revitalize that conservative movement in the election. CQ Magazine senior editor Sean Zeller looking ahead to the Republican convention in Cleveland. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for joining us. You can get daily convention updates by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts. Have a good week.